All right, what's going on, everybody? Today we have a very special guest with us, and that awesome voice that you just heard belongs to this guy. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Chris D. DeVille. That is my actual legal name. That's not a stage name. And uh, I am the lead singer for LA Rocks and newly uh, Redline Drive out of Dallas, Texas. Is that a new band that you're making right now? Or Yeah, yeah. Um, it's... it's um, I actually got invited to be their singer as uh, at the beginning of this year. And it was going to be, they're an original rock band, good time rock band. You'd love them. Um, and we're working on a current album right now. And right when I got invited to do that, the whole COVID thing happened. So literally just kiboshed it immediately. So you said Dallas, Texas. So what made that? Are you, where are you from originally? I am a Louisiana. I'm from, I'm in Louisiana right now. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah. how did you get in contact with these people in Dallas, Texas? And I guess first, let's talk about, uh, you know, your beginning. How did you get into music? What was your journey like? Yeah. Um, you know, how, how did you become a musician? What made you want to become it? So my dad, when I was born, he was already on the road. He's a, uh, he's a pretty well-known drummer around these parts. And when I was a kid, he was just always gigging, man. Um and I pretty much just grew up in a live music environment, you know, from what he would, you know, play the festivals or he'd play these, these bars, weddings, you know, wherever a gig can happen. My dad's band was there and he was with a bunch of different bands. And uh, I actually started out as a drummer when I got into music. So uh, even as a little kid, you know, my dad would, uh, they'd, they'd do their sound check or whatever. And he'd let me up, come up on the big stage and I'd be able to sit on the drums and look out and see what my dad sees. And it was just cool. It was always cool to me. Uh, so I was exposed to it at an early age. And um, I went through a few years in adolescence where music really didn't mean anything to me. I was just, you know, a kid uh, doing normal kid stuff. I was into video games and running around outside and superheroes and whatever. Uh, and then around high school, uh, I don't really remember what flipped a switch. But, um, you know, my dad really never stopped doing music. And I guess it got to a point where uh, you're a guitarist, right? Yes. So I'm not, I don't want to assume anything, but like, I'm sure there was a point where you just picked it up and you were just like, you just felt the electricity and you were like, yes, this, I yeah. want to do this. <laughs> when well, I was 15 I, you know, in the middle school. Yeah, yeah. Right. I would say I was <laughs> too, around that same age when I started taking drumming seriously. Uh, my buddies were just picking up guitars left and right. And you know how it is when you're in high school and everyone wants to start a band and you're like, well, I play this, I play this. And uh, so that's, that's how I got kicked off, man. And I would say around 14, 15, uh, is when I started to uh, get into the music that to this day is my absolute favorite genre, which is just the rock and roll of the 1980s, man. There's, uh, but that, that's a whole nother topic. But um, so that is what got me into wanting to pursue a band life and um, trying to trying to indoctrinate my friends into that music as well, as opposed to what was current at the time. And um, long story short, just after being stuck behind a drum set, which is how I perceived it eventually, um, you know, my friends, everyone wanted to wail and in solo and, and, you know, you, you, had to, you had to cut your teeth one way or the other. And uh, I always wanted to, even from the, before I knew anything about creating music and writing songs, I, I, I realized the structure to a song and I just wanted to make songs. I wanted to make the beginning, the middle, the end, you know what I mean? I want to come up with the hook. I know that where the solo should be. You know, I wanted it to be short and sweet and to the point. And it was, you have such little control as a drummer over like, you know, 
not so much structure, but melody. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I wanted to be more involved with the melody side of it. And um, uh, Def Leppard is my favorite band of all time. And my dad surprised me one day when I was 15. He took me and my sister up to Michigan um, to visit family and surprise, surprise, Def Leppard just happened to be playing. So we went to go see Def Leppard for the first time. And when I saw Joe Elliott, who is the lead singer, saw the front man. And uh, that was the day for me. I was just like, okay, I want to, I want to be out front. I want to be that guy, you know? And ever since then, I just decided I was going to be a singer. So I lied for about 10 years. <laughs> and, said I was a <laughs> and I had to learn the hard way how to actually sing. Um, so I hope that was a pretty clear answer, but that, that's pretty much been yeah, it. Yeah. So what was that like then? Cause obviously were, were you good when you first started singing or did you have trouble? Was it like, did you at least hold, hold a melody or was it? <laughs> Very it's definitely thing. subjective. Because <laughs> um, so, I, I hear you now and just like, like I've listened to, you know, your YouTube stuff and also the stuff. Like I said, I haven't had the privilege of actually seeing you in concert yet. Uh -huh. um, but I listen to a lot of your YouTube stuff and, you know, stuff you post online. I'm like, man, this guy can fucking sing. Dude, thank so. you so much. That means a lot, man. That means a lot. It is definitely an uphill battle being a singer. Because uh, again, you know, being into the, that, that decade of, of music, um between hearing it and, and and watching those guys you know because we we grew up in this internet age we have everything available to us so i would spend all of my time on wikipedia reading my dad's old hit prater magazines and all these like these the circus magazines i still have them those are like metal magazines for our listeners who don't know back in the day when rock and roll ruled the world they were on the cover of all these magazines and articles and interviews and did i would just sit on youtube and I would find any interview I could of my heroes just doing MTV interviews and music videos and concert and behind the scenes. And I just did everything I could to absorb the mannerisms and technique as far as my ear could recognize. Uh, so when it came time to hit the stage as a singer, I just tried to duplicate what I thought my heroes did, you know, my icons. And um, I didn't know it at first because much like, your technique, you know, practice makes perfect. Uh, I, I had no idea about the rules and the fundamentals and the foundation of proper technique. So for the first couple of years, I started when I was 19, by the way, as, as far as okay. gigging goes, really getting a chance to finally get on stage with a band and perform. Um, and I, I would have to say, I think that the only reason I was able to hang around um with la rocks early on when i got hired was that i was a 19 year old and everyone was substantially a senior to me uh so i i feel like you know it, it's kind of shallow as that sound it's like i i was the kid in the band i was the young kid out front so that was a huge advantage to keep me around because otherwise <laughs> excuse me otherwise there was no way i would have not been fired after like the third show dude uh yeah so to answer your question i i was um i could sing um, I knew how to reproduce the sound, but as far as pitch and key and, and, you know, uh, self-control took a, took a long time to, to refine all of that. And I would say the biggest tool that helped is that I videoed everything. I would have friends, video shows, uh, iPhones really weren't predominant back in, I could be wrong about that. It was like 2009 or 10 when I started. I think people were kind of still using flip phones. Maybe iPhones were kind of coming in, but uh, video was still very limited 
So um, I had handy cams and whatever, and I would just, I still have them to this day, dude. I documented just about everything up to now. And I, I would watch performances and it went very quickly from like, wow, look at me, I'm doing it to um, like, oh my God, why am I not booing? Like, dude, I could show you some hilarious stuff, man, of me just, just, <laughs> just like a cat dying on a fence. You know what I mean? Just, I, I think I'm, I'm hitting all these high notes and slaying it, but it's just obnoxious and out of key and it's terrible. And I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have been able to hold my job back then. And uh, I, I guess I can you know, just chalk it up to my age and heart, but yeah, dude, it was, it was a brutal, it was an uphill fight for sure to, to be capable. So it sounds like when you first started, cause I, I used to, I really wanted to get in vocals myself. Mm-hmm. But when I first started, I, you know, I had the phone and I was recording and I was singing yeah. in, in my head. I'm like thinking I'm hitting all these, you know, like you said, all these good yes. notes. Yeah. And then you play it back and you're just like, what is this mess I'm listening to right now? <laughs> you know, right, was man. it like that for you too? Or in the Dude, beginning? It was exactly like that when I was on stage <laughs> and before in years, you know, we, we, we did the monitors. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, dude, this, oh my God, like I sound so good. I sound, um, emulation was, was how I became a singer. Uh, cause again, I didn't know anything about the basics. So this was a Def Leppard song. So I'm going to sound like Joe, this is a Cinderella song. So I'm going to do my best to sound like Tom Kiefer. We're going to do a, a, what a Europe song. So now I have to be Joey Tempest. And like you said, in my head, it's like, dude, this is spot on. I have this cadence and everything. This is awesome. Then you get that video back and you're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Who is that guy? Yeah. It's crazy, man. So who, who were some of your early influencers? Like I, you said, uh, Def Leppard was definitely one of them. Uh, who, who yeah. else was your influence? Who else influenced you when you were growing up? Um, when I was growing up, uh, it was definitely. So as sacrilegious as it sounds, uh, Vince Neil is an awesome vocalist uh, compared to more traditional singers. I know that a lot of people don't think he's a great singer, but as a rock singer, he definitely does his job. I mean, you know, they're successful for a reason. But Vince Neil was one of the first ones I was magnetized to because I've got a very, as you, I'm 31 years old, but as I speak, I feel like I will forever have the voice of a 15 year old. And that helps being an uh, uh, 80s-esque vocalist. But Vince Neil has a very similar voice, very nasally, very, it's head voice, you know, very, uh, so that was my wheelhouse and I kind of came from there, but as I grew, I started paying more attention to, uh, David Coverdale, white snake, you know, he had control and he had the sultry, like soul voice, bluesy, manly. I don't have a manly voice. I'll never have that. Um, but Jenny Lane, same thing, dude, bluesy control. He could just, his range was just unstoppable. Joey Tempest for the same. I was definitely more attracted to the control and the trills. Um, because again, I, like I said, when I was a drummer, uh, I was frustrated that I had no control over melody. And melody is just my favorite thing. When I hear any song of any genre, if they have just this really cool melodic pattern, then I'm like immediately hooked on it. And I think it was the same for vocalist. So uh, I would definitely say like Jenny Lane, though, of Warrant is definitely a, a huge vocal hero for me. Mm-hmm. If what I had to said- like pick one guy. So you said 19 years old, that's when you started really becoming a singer, or is that when you joined your band? Uh, both. That's um, 
Well, I decided I wanted to be a singer when I was 15 and I would just kind of fart around with my friends and bands and we would just play, you know, songs off a of shout of the devil or something. But yeah, I was hired on with LA rocks at 19 and the story of how I got hired is actually really funny. And I got to show you these pictures at some point because they're, they're great. But uh, so my dad had this Beetlejuice costume for Halloween a few years prior and it was a large size. So he wore it once and then he never used it again because it was too big. So it just sat in my closet for a while. And again, after I would go through these these rock and roll magazines and look at all these live shots of my heroes on stage. And, you know, Nikki Six had that infamous black and white uh, striped kind of Steven Tyler looking outfit from uh, the theater of pain tour. And I was like, that Beetlejuice costume kind of looks similar to that. So I cut it up and I made my own little stage outfit costume, whatever you want to call it. And uh, this was back in the MySpace days. So I just oh, wow. took a bunch of pictures in my bathroom of me like backstage or whatever. Uh, and I, I wasn't in a band. I wasn't anything. I just, just, you know, just uh, projecting. And I, I put some pictures on MySpace of myself in that cut up Beetlejuice uh, costume. So I, I cut the sleeves off. So I had this like kind of coat with the stripes and some leather pants. And I kind of just, you know, did my hair up and it was, it was jet black. I dyed it back then. And uh, they saw that picture. And I think the drummer uh, had messaged me on MySpace and he was like, hey man, do you sing? And again, back to, like I said, I just lied through my teeth and I was like, hell yeah, I sing. And I got to go audition and I just barely scratched by and, and here I am today. <laughs> uh, so, so what was your first performance like? Where was that at? And uh, how did you join? You said that you joined because the drummer messaged you of your current band, correct? Yes. Yes. So how, how was your first gig like? And uh, especially as a performer, how did you develop your stage presence? Because you have amazing stage presence, man. Wait, oh, thank you very much. Dude, I appreciate that. Um, I, I want to say our first show was actually in Baton Rouge. Um, it was at a place called Mike's in Tigerland. I'm, man, it was so long ago. But um, I, I, the weird thing was I wasn't nervous. I was so anxious to get up there and show everybody like what I had, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember the crew and everyone and the band was kind of, you know, as guys do, they were, they were razzing me a bit, not mean spirited, but they were just like, don't forget the words, don't mess up, you know? <laughs> and I, I was just like, no, just, just you, just you wait, just you wait. And, and naturally I went up there and I, I always, always had confidence in my stage presence and my performance I had full confidence in my vocals, but that was because I didn't know any better. And back to what we were talking about, I was probably, I don't have any video of that show, but I was probably awful vocally, but I could carry myself in a way where I think it was still entertaining to the crowd because I certainly never got booed to my recollection. And I know that there is a basic rule when it comes to live performance is that, you know, the majority, if not your audience, they, what is it? They listen with their eyes. You know what I mean? It's part of the show. So if you can still put on a show, then you, it's still successful to, to a, a decent degree. And I think that was another part of my longevity is, is, is especially on the first show, you know, is it's how they were like, all right, we'll, we'll keep this guy around is my stage presence. I, I was definitely into it. And I did all the, I did all the moves, anything I could think of, I threw it in there and tried to make it work as best as I could. Yeah, you know, that, that actually reminds me of like karaoke a lot 
because yep. a lot of times when you see even like people if they don't sing well if they're like you know going crazy or like you know good, yeah. putting on a good performance you're like okay i like this guy <laughs> yeah no for sure can't you equate that to a lot of things in life man it's really yeah. all about confidence that was a big thing of, about staying in key or singing is is a, a big thing that stuck with me is a, a, i was told that nerves are like 80% of it, you know, and the second you start going up here and you're like, oh man, I'm not going to hit that note tonight. I'm not going to be able to do that song tonight. It's like, it's already game over. You know, you got to relax. Mm-hmm. So it's confidence, dude. Totally. Totally. I would say nervousness. Uh, I like to tell a lot of my friends this before they do something is like, part of it is anxiety and the other yeah. part is excitement and you get to control which one you want to go into. If you start overthinking, if you start worrying too much, start going more to that like kind of oh i'm a mess up type side you know but if you go towards that excitement and you just let it like build through your body i feel like it makes like a massive difference especially in your stage presence when you're actually out there absolutely dude 100 percent agreed so okay so you're from uh you said louisiana yeah is that where the rest of the other band members are from as well or how does that um technically yes the la rocks started uh conceptually in california our drummer spent a lot of time working in the music industry um and he brought kind of when still panther was popping up over there he kind of took the same idea and he brought it down south to the rest of us and uh he started la rocks it was originally actually called uh butt rocks and it was going to be a jokey band um and you know the steel panther stick but, you know, I, I, it's a little different uh, down south. People are a lot more, uh, well, I don't know. I guess that's not necessarily true. But for whatever reason, it didn't go over well. They, you know, they try to do the, your, you know, your mom jokes and, you know, just still panthery stuff in between songs banner. It was kind of a comedy show, rock show. That was before I got hired. I was actually the third singer. Um, and when I got hired, they they kind of flipped this the strategy and they started taking it more seriously which i was glad because i didn't you know like they instead of every rose has a thorn they would do a parody song uh and it was called every hoe has a thong you know stuff like that <laughs> just, just jokey songs and uh you know which was silly it was funny but like i didn't i don't remember if i was vocal about it or if it just worked out in my favor because i'm a pretty quiet person when it comes to like trying to, to voice my thoughts uh but I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to be an authentic rock and roll show, you know, like a time machine kind of like, I feel like I'm back at the, the whiskey a go-go right now. You know what I mean? Or something like that, watching this band do their thing. And it became that eventually. Um, so yeah, California based still Panther DNA. Uh, but eventually it just became what it is today. And, and, and that's kind of how we sell it. It's like an authentic 1980s, rock and roll show you know and we we call it an 80s show because that's the genre we play but for whatever reason you can't market yourself as an 80s tribute show anymore it just doesn't work for some reason the business i don't know the the minutiae of that but we've had to start calling it just authentic rock show and a stadium rock show anthem show or whatever but uh, we have huge production and we're very blessed we do not deserve at all the toys and gadgets we have on stage um, but it, it really helps. I feel like the, the production that we have with this band is like the official sixth band member, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did a show recently where we had all the bells and whistles taken away and it was just us. And that felt cool because you, we're still a band, you know, you still want to be a band and you still want to have that musical part intact. But 
when all the, when everything wasn't there, we kind of felt naked and that was really weird. Um, so, but it's crazy how much it's grown, man. And I, I really just can't express to the universe how just, just grateful I am to be a part of LA rocks is really something special. And hopefully there's more growing to be done. You know what I mean? Yes. Actually, that's something I wanted to get into with you was what was the development of your band like? So you get, uh, they hire you, they take you on as a singer around 19, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then how did y'all get to where y'all are now? Because y'all have traveled and toured in different cities and states, correct? Yes, yes. So what was that development like as a band and, you know, growing together? And was it any, was it hard times like connecting with each other? Or did y'all connect right away? Or did y'all have to kind of learn to navigate, you know, how to how to grow as a band and all that? Or what was that journey like? Uh, yeah, man, it was up and down because, uh, okay, it's 2020 now. So I've officially been in the band for about 10, 11 years. It's, 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 it's fuzzy now. But the lineup has changed so much over the years. And I have made and lost so many good friends because of just the band world. You know, uh, everyone idealizes it a lot if that's fair to say uh because we all want the fun part we all want to get on stage and we all want you know to be like hey check check it out check out my band look what we can do you know let's have fun let's party but when it comes to the the road tripping and the long nights and no sleep and no money and you're hungry or you're just you know you're sick but the show has to go on and you're just so far from home and you haven't been in your bed forever it, it gets brutal and it affects people differently. Um, and, and one thing I'm proud to say about myself is that I'm definitely so happy to have been in it at all. Uh, so when it did get rough, it never really wore on me. I'm just like, you know, we're going to, we're going to overcome this. I'm going to ride this out. This is going to get better. I believe in this. Um, but right now, uh, Teddy Van Trixie is our, other we have two lead guitarists (laughs) we're like rat uh he's still in the band and he's been in and out twice um our drummer blackie velvet who started the band has been in and out twice and shout out to him right now because he's actually having um not gonna put his personal business out there but he's having some complications with his wrist right now and for a drummer that's a big deal um something going on with the spine so he's having some kind of surgery which is sounds like it's gonna go you know good or bad we don't know but um shout out to him He's the mastermind of this entire freak show. Uh, he's been in and out of the band a few times. I think I've been the only consistent member for the duration of the decade. And um, yeah, I've made a lot of good friends, dude. And and I've seen very wholesome people come into the, the, the band and, and come out the other end, chewed up, spit out, substance reliant, and just... I've seen a couple of people, you know, ego inflation, you know, and, and it's really funny because I feel like we'll get into this eventually too. It is precious as it is to me. I've had a couple of naysayers in my life be like, it's just a cover band. You know, why do you take it so seriously? It's not your music, which is fair, but it gets my favorite music in the world. And I just, I could, I'm just, I, I, again, I just love to be able to do it. And I think that kept me on the right path and you know what i mean like i I, don't get me wrong i'm not a saint i i i've i've definitely tried a few party favors i've definitely done some some pretty heinous things here and there (laughs) but um uh, i survived and i guess because of how my my dad raised me i always in the back of my mind i always had that mentality of like keep your eyes and ears open and your mouth closed you know what i mean 
so when I my what I'm trying to say is when I saw my friends and my bandmates kind of changing, kind of veering, kind of getting fatigued, kind of going to a dark place, um, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to end up like that. So don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, yeah, man, um, I'm trying to definitely not gonna I'm not I'm not trying to out anybody like I'm not making it seem like you know it just there's an ugly side to it so it was definitely hard to hang out in there but uh we have a beautiful band now the lineup right now is awesome and uh everyone is is super clear-headed super down to earth super dedicated to it which is all I really would ever ask of any bandmate you know what I mean because I mean you know dude like being in a band is it's multifaceted it's like a, a extended family yeah. And anyone can tell you that uh, being a part of a family, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a TV show, you know, it's tough. So when one person, when one person veers, um, the whole table starts to lean, you know, that's Blackie Velvet always said that you're only as strong as your weakest link. So right. the second one, one guy wasn't carrying the load, man, it would, it would show behind the scenes on stage. Uh, I hope I'm answering your questions. I feel like I'm starting off. Just <laughs> no, you're good. Going on a cause... tangent, dude. Yeah, no, the, the main reason why I wanted to have you on is because, like I said, a lot of people really love you, man. Like, I, I've heard so many good things about you, so I wanted to have you on. I'm glad um, to hear that. Really yeah, like, also that, uh, we know a lot of the same people. We, yes. uh, yeah, what surprised yeah. me a lot was that, obviously, like, like the Velcro Pygmies or Contagion or, uh, you know, Dirty Reckless or all these other bands, um, yep. it's like, I'm surprised by the community like that it, it's built now because before I don't know when exactly it was, but it was kind of like we can know cover bands, yeah, and they'll be, they'll be playing at bars, but it was it was always like yeah I'll go over here. It was always like separate. You never put them together. So right. now it's kind of like with you know your band and all the other band, cover bands, it's, it y'all have formed a lot of of a, a tight knit community. Have you noticed that too? I, I definitely have, dude. I felt that <clears throat> um, one bad aspect I used to have, uh, like a bad mental aspect when I first started was that, um, and I can kind of back this up from personal experience, you know, before I make myself sound like a jerk, but for a few good years, I didn't want to talk to other guys in bands when it was time to go to work. You know what I mean? Because I knew a lot of people who just immediately wanted to turn everything into a pissing contest instead of a like, um, helping each other like, out yeah yeah like what do you do oh that's really cool like what kind of equipment do you use oh have you ever tried that yeah you know just being friends and exchanging stories and and, and networking and, and you know just as opposed to like where have you played before uh how you know what's the biggest crowd you i don't know i i i, I, I i've come across a lot of unpleasant people like that but that was so long ago and it's not like that at all anymore and and to your point dude it's i have eventually stepped out of that bubble and and yeah man everyone i mean between the two of us that we know they're everyone's so nice and cool and you make friends and you go to their shows and you make friends and they're following and they're following sees your band and your following sees their band and it's just like it's great because i feel like we're you know trying to just dig back up rock and roll you know i don't even know if it's become underground it's just become a it's either like this classic throwback thing or you don't care and to have rock and roll back in any capacity would be great, you know? And that's the biggest thing I want is like, uh, dude, Chase said it so well in your guys' episode. 
carrying the torch. You know what I mean? Guys like you and me and Chase, we're carrying the torch right now. And that's uh, like when people would say, you know, you're just in a cover band. Why are you taking it so seriously? It's like, it's a cover band. Yeah. But like, I'm not, I'm not in, we all had to cut our teeth in a party band. You know, we got to play all these songs, 80% of which we don't want to play it. It's just popular. You know, we're trying to just make a paycheck tonight. That I get. But when you're a part of something where that music is important to you and it's classic and it stands the test of time for a reason, it's good stuff. And you don't want that to go extinct. So I think that the way Chase said, when we're carrying a torch for that stuff, it's very important to keep it alive. I believe that this music will still be considered classic 30 years from now, you know? And I hope we get to a point where guys can make music, new music, and it becomes as relevant then as that music was in its day. And it just kind of feels like we won't, we won't have that so much anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, that's also something I was talking about too, because I do believe as well, like you said, that this music and, you know, the eighties and all that stuff is going to be around for a long time. Yeah. But another thing was that me and Chase were talking about, or that me and uh, Scott Griffin of LA guns, mm-hmm. me and him were talking about it too. It's like the, uh, not just stage presence, because a lot of bands can have great stage presence, yeah, but it's the actual looks and you know like their hair and you know the clothes that they wear like an actual yeah. rock band should and I feel like that is slowly like going away. Yes. Do you, do you think that that will ever come back again, or what do you think we would have to do in order to bring back you know people spiking up their hair and doing all these crazy things? You know. Yeah, like- man. Um, definitely. I I I hope it comes back. Um, because part of when I was a kid and I was becoming just just enamored with this entire genre, the biggest part of it was the look. Um, and that that helped me to kind of decide uh, also do like back to those 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 unpleasant musicians that I used to know who would turn everything into a peeing contest. Those were the kind of cats that took themselves too seriously in a bad way. You know what I mean? I don't mean carrying yourself in a certain way. I mean, just like, I'm too good for that. I'm too cool. Like, uh, I think that's, I don't think, I think that's kind of a poisonous mentality because um, pride and ego, pride and ego, man. Like, I, like obviously like, you know, you and me, we'll, 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 we'll do the style because we think it's cool. And there's, there's pride in that. Sure. But there's a lot of people who will just like, I mean, dude, we do the spandex and the eyeliner, and the big, <laughs> I mean, but it's cool to us. And I understand yeah. that some people can kind of laugh at it, but I, I, one of my favorite things is when someone comes to a show and they got dragged by friends, they don't like this music. They just want to go out and drink. And I see them. I see most of the guys that are laughing at us a little bit, but dude, by that fifth song, that same dude is in the front row eventually just like, yeah, like it's, it's, it really is. It's just one small element to like this huge, just, it's just necessary. It's just rock and roll DNA. And I think it needs to come back because um, just those guys back in the day that did that, I know that glam became predominant in the eighties and it was relevant in the seventies. I knew it kind of evolved that way with glam rock and the glam metal. Um, but those dudes, like you could see them and know that dude's in a band. They look like superheroes. They kind of stood out from everyone else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of what I said, is being subjective. Like you can, someone can still see that and be like, look at this guy. I just want attention. But like, but that dude might also be wearing, you know, his passion on the outside, I, if, if that makes any sense. Dude, the style is just so cool and it's a part of it. And and I, I, I want to see it come back because I guess that level of effort, if that individual is, is willing to, to 
to be that honest and like, dude, all right, here's my cool duds. Here's my hair. Here's my, you know, here's my guitar tone. Like, let's do this. Uh, they're selling it and it's confidence. And, and I think back to what we're talking about confidence, you know, if, if you go on stage with your work jeans and a t-shirt and you just kind of stand there, there's not a lot of confidence being is exuded a word. Is that the right word? Yeah. I guess, they're, I guess not that, yeah. <laughs> they're not projecting the confidence. They're not saying, Hey, I've got something for you. Check this out. We're going to have fun here. I guess that's a good way to kind of capitalize that point. I was rambling until I found a good way to, <laughs> to wrap that up. But yeah. yeah, dude, I hope it comes back, man. I really do. I, I think it's an extra level of effort that isn't, um, that isn't pushed hard enough these days, but I do see it. I do. I do see it coming back with kids, man. We have a lot of preteens that come to our shows now because it's been 10 years. It's crazy, man. I'm getting old. But uh, we got a lot of preteens who come to the shows and they do that just to be in the crowd. You know, they, they tease the hair and they wear the band shirts. And it went from a point where like, hey, did you get that Def Leppard shirt at Walmart just because, you know, you're going to a rock show tonight? And they're like, no, I love Def Leppard. And we'll talk about the songs and albums. I'm like, oh, my God. They know the music. They know the band. It's awesome. I was thinking about this. Do you, do you think one of the reasons why, like you said, the preteens are coming on and all this other stuff now, and especially how the community, like the, the cover band rock community, is so tightly knit together, do you think that that kind of started with the Velcro Pygmies? Because I know they would invite singers and all guitarists of all these other bands, and they still do it now. Yeah. Do you think it started with them? or Because I feel like that was they were the main uh, reason how you know everybody just became so tightly knit together. Or, or what do you think about it? Dude, absolutely. Uh, they are definitely, man, definitely a core to the entire thing. I mean, my my band uh, got elevated a couple of bumps because of of Cam and the Pygmies, man. Um, social presence is strong. That that dude is so business minded; it scares me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All of them are. They're so driven. Yeah. Um, and when I met Cam, that was one of the first things he said to me is that he wanted to rebuild a rock and roll scene, a circuit, because they've been around for a while. And Cam said that in you know in his heyday. It was everywhere. You you know, bands would just swap venues and play for nights on end, and it's not like that so much anymore. Um, but I, I have noticed it, man. I, I've yeah, definitely connecting bands and friends, and and most definitely agreed. Yeah, for sure. And I hope it continues to grow. I'm sure it will. Um, so, what were some of the difficulties that you about what you do? You know, like like you were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, not sleeping and maybe like. Uh, eating probably poorly or something like that what are the difficult parts of uh because we haven't gotten into like where you've traveled to yet uh yeah. you know as a band and what what places mm -hmm. you played at and i do want to ask too like what are your favorite places to play at you know in certain you know obviously every place that you go it has that unique like if you play in florida there's something you know specific about there that you like you play in louisiana there's something specific there yeah so what, what were the difficulties of traveling um how, how did you start traveling and what are your favorite things about the places that you visit um traveling <clears throat> it used to be more fun because we had a band suv and we would all pile in and um uh you know being a kid and reading about these guys and the decadence that the 80s tried to sell itself on um well they didn't try they certainly did sell themselves on decadence but uh, man, being a 19, 20 year old sitting in the back of an SUV, you know, with, with your band and your light guy and your sound guy and like everyone's just, it was a tight knit family. Those are my favorite parts. I'll never forget this one memory, man. I, I thought it was so, it's silly now, but I thought it was super cool back then. Uh, our light guy had a bag 
And, you know, we're, we're somewhere, we're, we're heading out to Texarkana probably. So we're like five hours out on the highway and he just pulls out this bag and he's like, everyone except for the driver, obviously, but he's, he's just got this whole bottle of, um, oh man, what was it? It, it was an Irish liquor and the name is Jameson. Oh yeah. 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 Jameson. And he just had some playboy magazines he brought from home and he just starts handing them out to everybody. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> what is this dude doing? So we're all sitting up there. You know, in the back, in the backseat, you know, just reading the articles on the Playboy and everyone's just like, hey, check her out. You know, it's just being guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, those yeah. are those are fond memories. Um, I'm sure a lot of singing, putting music on and just singing together and going crazy inside as well or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's surprising one another with like, man, I hate that song. Like, you don't like that song? What's wrong with you? Like, I don't like this band, you know, just all kind of crazy stuff. Um I would have to say, man, my favorite venue, that's really tough. Uh, we've been to a lot of really cool places. We've been to a lot of scary places. Um, what places have you been to? Uh, I want to, I'm trying to think of like the, the there's, there's a couple of clubs around here. Cause again, we, we predominantly tour around like the, the, the Southern kind of, kind of where the pygmies go, honestly. Um, yeah, yeah. And there used to be, it, I don't know what's happening to these venues after COVID. You know, I'm, I'm hearing horror stories that this place shut down and that place shut down, which is super sad because it was already hard enough to try and pitch your band and get hired for the night. Mm -hmm. And when we come back to normal, because I firmly believe that normalcy will return, I'm really scared to see how many of these venues where all these bands are, are you know, bleeding and sweating to build a following might not come back. Um, yeah. It's a scary thought, but there was this one place uh, that's not far from here in Lafayette it was called the rocks nightclub and it's this huge nightclub. It's got this huge national side stage and this really plush green room. And, uh, dude, it was just like rock star certified. It was just super cool for the backstage, especially and then, like, this leopard print carpet and these like glamor, big glamor light bulb mirrors and like these like red velvet couches. And it was just so like a mirror all the way around in the green room, little mini fridge. It was, it was rad. Um, um, there was another cool place that I really, uh, one of my first big shows was in Jackson, Mississippi. It was called the electric cowboy and it was a huge nightclub. And this was the first time that I ever done a weekend full show with LA rocks. Um, so we did a Friday, Saturday, Friday was really cool. Saturday was stupid. I mean, that club was, dude, there was, there was like, it's probably not an exaggeration to say it was under a thousand people. It was just huge. I mean, it was a nightclub too. And I don't understand to this day how we, they must've just been a really popular venue because we were a baby band at that point, but that was a cool venue. They had this really, really high rise stage, which I like the stages that are high off the ground. Right. But then on top of that, they had this kind of, I guess a drum riser, but it was this, it was huge, dude. Like the drummer was like on this pillar over us, but then we built our riser on top. So it was like us. And then way up top in the sky was the drummer. It just looked so cool, man. I had a lot of good memories with that. That was fun stuff. So Louisiana, uh, have you, have you been to Florida yet? Have you played there or no? Um, uh, we haven't gotten, Man, if we have, it's been a long time. If we did, it was probably just like a, you know, a little dive on, on the, sh on the coast or something. Mm -hmm. um, there's a venue we've been trying to fight to get to, uh, which is called the hangout in yeah. Gulf Shores that I want to end up there. We haven't played a show there and that only came to my, 
uh, I only learned about its existence after meeting the the pygmies and everyone because you know they go there a lot, and uh, I'm always I'm always trying to you know I'm watching where they go and where they play because they make everywhere look fun you know yeah uh, especially when they did the uh, I forgot which one it was but it was on the boats did you see that one no what yeah it was on the boats and the, on the water and stuff and it, I was like man that looks so awesome oh my but gosh I, yeah I want to do that uh, there's a we have a buddy band uh, around here who are super popular called the Chewies and they're an 80s party band uh, they do cruise they do cruise shows all the time and um, their drummer Mark Mark if you're watching Mark pro- well, he didn't promise but he said we, we can do like a, like a team up show on a rock cruise thing and we dude if we can get to do that oh my gosh that'd be so great I would love to be able to do something like that on the water there's a lot we haven't done man in 10 years it's it's we have a lot of backwards aspects with this band. Dude. It's it's bonkers. It really is. You know what I would like to see? I, I, I really hope that a lot of these bands can start covering more of the West Coast as well. Because yeah. right now, obviously, like I'm currently in Las Vegas, Nevada. And here they have, cool. they ha- it, it is an awesome place for the music scene. So any, any bands that are listening to this right now, or, you know, um, if you want, there's a lot of uh, great bands here. They're looking for people all the time. There's a lot of great uh, spots, especially in downtown Vegas. There's like four or five different uh, bands playing all the time here. Right. But I, I would like to see a bunch of people, uh, bands move more to the West Coast. Do you think that's something that is in store for you and your band? Or is that something you would like to do? Or, or what is yeah, the I do. I've been foaming at the mouth since day one to, to, you know, to fly across the country with my band and cut up in an airport. And, and, you know, just, uh, I want to, I want to tra- dude. I'll travel as long as it takes, man. I love being on the road with my guys. Um, yeah, I'll go as far West. I mean, we were close a few times to, to, to go into Japan for a couple of USO shows. Uh, they fell through as these things often do, which goes back to the hard parts of being in a band is, you know, <laughs> starving artist is not just an expression and it's very real even to this day it is very real um and, and you know it's getting paid to play is all obviously a career musician is 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 it's just such a cool thing to be able to ad- admit to be able to do but i what i want is you know pay aside i i want to go to the west i want to go to las vegas and play a show i want to do that man uh, it, but it always comes down to money. It's it's tough to get out there. Um, and it, it to, to any venue owners who might be listening to this podcast, it, it all comes down to those guys. They're the heroes because they have to take these chances on these bands that they perceive will bring butts to the seats. And, you know, the, the you know people will come out, they'll party with this band, they'll spend money on drinks at my venue. They'll, you know, it's, it's it, the economy of all of this is just so complicated and it's so risky. It's never not risky. Um, but yeah, dude, that, that's my goal. I definitely want to, to go as far as we can with LA rocks. Uh, same with Redline drive. They were actually in Vegas. If I'm not mistaken about last year, maybe last year, they went to Vegas and played a hard rock show with their old lead singer. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, when COVID goes away and I can do shows with them, uh, that that will happen too because the cool thing about being in two bands now is that I can go places with Redline that LA Rocks can't go and I can go places with LA Rocks that Redline can't go and when I go to vice versa I'll be able to pitch one of the other act you know and I hope that that helps both projects expand I, I want to have the problem of being too busy right you know I, mean? <laughs> yeah. I really do I, I I love what I do and I, and I hope it just grows you know yeah 
So there's something you said uh, a little bit earlier, and it's obviously uh, the times that we're living in right now, this year has been really crazy. Yes. So what have you been doing since quarantine first started? And Uh what did, what did you think when the country first went down on lock, uh, went into lockdown? Um, Okay. So before I knew the, the horrible, the, the, the obvious horrible drawbacks of the lockdown, a small part of me, like a little kid was like, I felt like we were building the fort in the living room and we were going to camp out for a little while. I don't, I can't really explain why I feel like that, but I was like, Oh cool. It's going to be quiet. Like, you know, it's going to, everyone's just going to settle for a second. Cause it was only supposed to be like what a week, two weeks, two weeks. Yeah. Here we are. Two, like a year. That was two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> the whole year's gone. Um, so I was a little excited about it at first, uh, but that, you know, uh, aside from the fact that, this was going to be LA Rocks' best year. We had one of the biggest shows we play, which is Patty in the Park here in Lafayette. It's it's this huge outdoor event, man. We did it last year. It was cloud nine. They asked us back. And the day or two before Patty in the Park was going to kick off, COVID restrictions became the, 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 the norm and they shut the party down. And, dude, it was just ball kick after ball kick. Like the next show got shut down. The show here got shut down. Festival got moved to next month because we'll be open next month. Nope. Canceled. Moved to next year. Canceled. Dude, it was, it has been such a brutal year. I've been very hungry. I think would be my answer. I've been very hungry. (laughs) I've had to, (laughs) I got to a point where I lived off an entire loaf of bread uh, back in, it wasn't May because the stimulus check, which was awesome. The stimulus check helped a lot. I pity pinched. I have a lot of really good friends and family who have helped me get through this. And it's been frustrating because even though our country hasn't been through something like this before, so it's unprecedented, but I, you know, we all don't like the idea of having to ask for help. You know, I want to want to be a man and I want to be able to take care of uh, the aspects of my life financially and responsibly, but it's been tough, man. You know, people losing their jobs, businesses getting shut down, the music, dude, we were the first to go. We're going to be the last to come back. Um, It's been so frustrating. It's been brutal. Yeah. I survived off a loaf of bread around June, I want to say, or maybe August. It got so bad. I was just nibbling on bread just to sustain myself. um, Cause I couldn't go to the store between not having anything to get food wise from the store or just not being able to afford anything. Um, Thankfully we've had a few shows. So I've been grocery shopping and I have apples and chicken and stuff in my refrigerator again. Hallelujah. But uh, yeah, that, that was the worst part, man. And I really hope that some of these small businesses can survive. I really hope that another lockdown doesn't happen, even though some states are already doing it. And um, I had one more thing. Oh, yeah. And the worst part is it's got people in such a panic, uh, not trying to take it to a political angle, but... Uh, the pygmies went through this. We went through this. We had a Halloween show. It was our comeback night. And it was this awesome night, dude. It was this b- new, beautiful venue in Lafayette. Shout out to the Grouse Room and Matt Chanisoff for taking it on the chin. Um, dude, we were like, okay, we have a show. It's going to be fun. But we naturally, we're like, man, I bet a lot of people are going to come out. They're going to be scared to come out. or They're going to have to distance. And we're going to have this weird crowd where like, there's like one person six feet apart from the next person. And it's going to yeah. look like a... Yeah, it's going to – dude, but, I mean, it was – people are over it. People are ready to just go back. Dude, we had a packed house. Everyone was sweating. No masks. We had a great night. It's optimistic. I mean, and and after the fact, um, 
some paper around here, I'm not going to give them the name because they don't deserve any more attention than they already got, but they used a picture of that my guitarist took on stage of me in front of the, the packed room. And they were, they were trying to villainize us and everyone there for not practicing social distancing and all that. And I was like, man, look, at a degree, I understand respect that someone might be scared. And I totally acknowledge that certain people are susceptible to the virus that is real. I don't think it is as scary as people are trying to make it. You know, they're, they're weaponizing it for media's sake. Uh, I, I, but I get that some people are susceptible to it. But, you know, I'm all about America freedom of choice. If someone is scared and doesn't want to come out, they can stay home. They can wear their masks in public if that makes them feel comfortable. But I don't like the idea that forcing us to stay inside, forcing us to wear a mask and villainizing people who we don't know what everyone went through during this lockdown, man. I mean, people are, dude, alcoholism's coming back, you know, substance abuse is coming back, depression, money. I mean, people will throw that at you and say, you don't care about someone's life. You, like you, people are dying, but it's like, yeah, but I mean, people are also dying on the other side too. You know, I mean, spiritually, I understand that they're still on this earth and breathing, but I mean, it's killing people, man. And that made, that made my heart swell at, at, at Halloween to see everyone come out. Dude, I got hugged by so many people. They were so happy to just be out and be at the show again. It was really cool. And that, that really pissed me off when they were, they were just trying to, they, I mean, they really painted it. Like we were, they even went so far in the article to say that, uh, the, the singer and his bandmates were even sharing the same microphone, not practicing social distancing at all. I was like, dude, there's the door. You can leave. Yeah. You know, it was, man, people are over it. And, and, and yeah, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, just, uh, just how it affected you, what you were doing and stuff like that. Because yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I do agree with you. I, I do think everybody's over it, especially here in Vegas. Um, California is still on lockdown, like a lot. Yeah, I was dude, there. you're in Cali. That's got to be brutal. For oh, no, you I'm in I'm in Vegas, but I'm right by Cali. So, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> Geography uh, lesson. Yeah, we, we have a lot of people that are coming from California because they're like, man, I'm I'm so tired. Like everything's closing down. Everything's this. Yeah, I, I'm not able I'm not able to do anything. So they come to Vegas and they're like, man, I, I feel good coming back here. So um, I feel like. Like, like you said, going back to uh, a lot of the shows and, you know, what happened with you, how did, how did your band respond to, how did you take it? Because you were saying a little bit about how you took it when you were getting that, you know, like that, uh, the media was trying to hit you and demonize you and all that stuff. Yeah. How, how, did, how did you take it? How did the band take it? Um, we do, uh, so, so one of my idols, it, predominantly in his 80s run, is John Bon Jovi. I love the 80s Bon Jovi run. I love how they conducted themselves uh, in public and while geeking out and watching any interview I could with John, there was something that they said a lot. And it was that, uh, I, I wish he still practiced it today, but he does not times are different. Um, but they don't do their laundry in public. They keep their religious views and their, their political views to themselves. They keep it in the family because when it comes to entertainment, most people don't want to hear that. They just want to come to you for what you do. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I respect that. And I mean, dude, it's so hard, especially being locked down in quarantine and, and all people have is social media. And I mean, you know how it gets on the internet, man. People will fight back and opinions and it's so easy to just respond and get that argument and that's, that, that, that hate and that frustration builds up. And that's not helping people either. Um, I think people need to take a breath from it and realize that when you go outside, it's not like it is on the Facebook and, you know, the, uh, so we, I, I, I believe that 
We didn't give it much attention. Our guitarist posted it because he's a full-on red-blooded American, and I love that he did it. And uh, he had a great caption for it, too. He put it on his Facebook, and he pretty much said, hey, if you're scared, you can stay home, which was a fair comment, I thought, because yeah. it, you know, the article tried to do this virtue signaling where they were trying to make it sound like, shame on you. We need to protect each other. But all it was was like they're just there's just spitting venom at us for being Americans. Uh, and I, I, but I think otherwise we were very quiet and reserved and we just tried to sweep it under the rug and continue to do us. We didn't want to draw attention to it because again, people are so hot blooded, right? Not hot blooded, but just like I said, they're just so ready to just rah, 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 cause they're stuck inside. <laughs> and um, so I, I didn't want to get anyone in our fan base twisted. I even did something on Instagram the other night, man. I um, Captain America is one of my, my heroes, dude. And I took a line from the um, the Civil War movie where Tony Stark and all the Avengers are arguing about the – oh, shoot. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, did, did you see that movie, though, the Civil War I, movie? I did, but what part are you talking about? The part at the very beginning where, where Tony wants to give over the control of the Avengers to the government or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it'll restrict them, because, and Captain America believes that they need to be able to – decide when and where they need to go to help people and tony thinks that where they go they hurt people so the government should be in control of where they go and captain america had this great line where he's like yeah but if you sign that if you sign those papers you give up your right to choose you know we can choose to go there and help that people what if we need to go somewhere and they won't let us you know what i mean and I, i i put that clip on my instagram and i was like this is how i feel about the lockdowns if you're really scared man stay inside until you feel safe but don't make us all do it. That's not American. Um, but I took it down uh, because uh, I know I took and I hated doing that. I, I don't want it to make it sound like I had no spine. But what what overcame me when I posted it was that back to I, I didn't want to upset more people. I didn't want to be divisive. If people come to Chris Deville, um, I, I want them to think that it's because I'm a silly, bubbly person and they want to talk rock and stuff and. But I mean, I don't know. I've, I've been pretty honest with you about how I feel. So I guess in one way or another, it's going to come out. Um, but I just didn't want to stir the pot anymore, I guess, you know, but I feel that I feel like, though, that a lot of people, because in my opinion, I, I would like it to go back to uh, it was like 15, 20 years ago to where, like, if you even if you were uh, political, you didn't have to. It wasn't that much of a blowback if people disagreed with you on your politics is like yeah. Oh, okay yeah you believe in that all right well i don't i don't, Dude, I don't agree with you but you know whatever. right the civility has been thrown in the fire man i mean it's 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 like grounds for fighting now it, and it's it's so yeah. sad how it's like that and I, I try to tell people i i'm very secretive about my um well i'm not secretive about it I, if you know me then you know how i am politically um i mean i i love my country you know yeah. <laughs> but uh I, I try to express that when any kind of exchange happens, I was like, well, you know what? That's, it's cool that you feel that way. I respectfully disagree. And it, it can be about anything. It doesn't have to be politics, man. When um, I remember this one time years ago, when all these, the Marvel movies were coming out, I, I went to get pizza. Uh, it was a Sunday. It was a cheat night. And I had a little Captain America hoodie on. It was sweatpants. I'm just going to get pizzas, whatever. And the girl who gave me the pizza was an Iron Man fan. And she saw my jacket and she was like, oh, cool. You like Captain America? And I was like, oh, cool. Fellow nerd. Yeah. And she goes, Iron Man's better. <laughs> and I, I was like, 
cool. I'm glad that you like Iron Man, you know? But yeah. I was like, why did she have to say Iron Man's better? Why couldn't she say, that's cool that you like Cap. I like Iron Man. You know, we, we, yeah. we would have both been like, yeah, dude, cool. Superheroes, you know? But that's how it feels now. It's, it's just like, oh, you think this? Or you said this? And I'm going to do 16 gen- mental gymnastics and assume the absolute worst of you. And we're not friends anymore. And it's yeah. sad. It's sad, man. So do you think people should double down because i've seen this happen a lot for example uh politics was never a big part of business a big part yeah. of sports you know like pete like if you were a business owner and you, you know you had like uh republican beliefs or democrat beliefs it, yeah you know people couldn't tell but there have been a lot of, of companies uh, uh born out of the fact that okay this is what i believe i'm putting it up to the front and they actually get a lot more people mm-hmm. uh, to come to them because of those specific beliefs so i would think that especially if you're, if you're a band and, you know, you have like more Republican beliefs or whatever it is, I think putting it out more would probably be a good thing because obviously, you know, you didn't, like you were talking about with COVID and then the newspaper that attacked you. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to happen regardless. Like the second, whether you talk about politics or not at your show. You're right. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, these people are going to hate me anyway. We're going to get demonized anyway. So might as well just be like, you know what? This is what we believe, you know, and we're, we're, we're going to attract the right people to us. We're going to repel the wrong people to us. But at the end of the day, no matter what you believe, we still want to believe in unity and, you know, bring people yeah. together and love and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Especially now more than ever, because what has happened is that one side of the aisle has become very vocal about their beliefs and, and their values. And it has become, it got to a point where if you don't, man, if you don't fall in line, then you're just an evil person. And that's completely untrue. So now I think it's more important you know, more, more so than ever uh, with freedom of speech. You know, I, I think we need to get back to civil discourse. I think we need to get back to, I disagree, but we can be friends. You know, I, I should be able to say it on stage and, you know, if I so choose, or I should be able to say it in response to what someone else said or how they feel, however, illogical, emotionally charged and uh, without facts, that statement might be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I know what you mean. Uh, I'm yeah. actually okay with the with the loud part. It's the part of trying to force other people to do right. what you want. You know, like exactly. if I believe in something, you have to believe in it too. If I don't want, if I don't want to do something, if I don't want to go outside, then you you don't need to go outside either. And it's kind of like it's right. a weird way of thinking. What, what, what's the saying? Though I disagree with you, I agree. I I disagree with what you're saying, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. That yeah. that like man, that. Mm-hmm. right. So. There's something else I wanted to bring up. It has kind of along the lines to do with the same thing. It's uh, so a lot of bands have been massively affected, obviously, by COVID, mm-hmm. you know, t- taking away a part, if not all of their income. Uh, we talked about how it's affected your band. Yeah. But there, there's something cool that has been born out of this. It's um, a lot of bands have been forced to become creative about, you know, still yeah. trying to put on some type of shows, which I like. So, for example, some bands have, I've seen, you know, they've done a lot more online live shows on social media or something like that. Yeah, um, I've seen videos of I don't know if they're bands or just families that love music and they'll play mm-hmm. on the porch and they'll have like a like a, you know, a lawn full of, you know, their neighbors or something like that come through. Yeah. So uh, like after COVID, whenever all this craziness happens or whatever happens, I have no idea. But after all this, is there something that you would like to see stick around? Um, for example, like, the you know, the online shows or yeah. uh, one thing I will say probably is, is that's the good thing about COVID is everything is so clean now. 
Like, yeah, they, true. There's hand sanitizer <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, they sanitize everything like almost every hour now. But um, what are some creative ways for other bands to uh, you know keep in touch? Because obviously we don't know. Like you said, uh, some cities and states are going back under lockdown and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So, so what are some creative ways for bands to stay in touch with their uh, with their following and uh, you know like like just creative ways to keep in touch and you know keep that income coming in. Um. Yeah, it, it's it's between them and the venues, man. Uh, L.A. Rocks, we, we did a live show and then we did a little meet and greet uh, where we 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 chatted with the the live stream and there was a little donation barcode at the bottom of the screen, mm-hmm. and uh, we were very vocal about it. We missed our fans. We wanted to do a show for them because we couldn't, and if they felt they wanted to donate, they could. But it, it wasn't a show. Well, I I felt that way about it at least. We didn't do it for the money we we did it for the fans and you know but it is what it is we need the money that's just a you know fact of life uh but i thought it was cool and i i I hope that we continue to do more stuff like that redline drive has been very good about it too uh we have spent most of our time in the studio uh cutting demos and, and and raw recordings of songs that i need to learn because i'm playing catch up with them but we, we took one of the raw recordings and we, we made a little video montage of us goofing off in the studio and we shared it on the Facebook. And I think COVID aside, that's just an important practice anyway. And I hope that more bands just continue to do it, whether it's a live performance, whether it's a live feed and they're performing and they're like, you know, I need help. You send money if it's on your heart or it's just like, here's the band goofing off. And, you know, just it, you, you need as much content on your, your social media as you can put out there. Yeah. And especially the people who, who love live music and love being a part of that experience. I mean, they're starved for it right now. If, if Halloween taught me that, if anything, because again, we spent the whole day pouting like spoiled kids. We're like, no one's going to come out. We get paid tonight, but no one's going to come out. But we were wrong. They, they wanted to come out and they came out in full force. Um, so I think it's on both ends, man. Uh, the, the, the people are only getting hungrier for, for the live music to return. And the bands, uh, I, I think they need to keep it up when, when COVID goes away, man. I, I think live performances of any capacity on their social media feeds are cool. Be it, you know, like it just me and my guitarist and we do like an acoustic, just one song, you know, that's just something. But yeah, I think it's cool. I, I, hope, it, I hope it keeps going even when things go back to normal. You know, for any of the bands, band members or anything like that that is listening, um, podcast is also another good way of getting your music out there, obviously, because yeah. uh, like, like like currently right now, I'm actually in 13 countries. So right now you're being, uh, yeah, you're, you're well, not right now, but yeah, when, the, when this episode airs, uh, you'll be heard in Russia, in Japan, in the Philippines, and cool. I, I just want to give a shout out to these countries. So Yeah, dude, you. absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of which, but, dude, one of my life goals, uh, be it musically involved or not i want to go to japan i want to visit japan at least once mm-hmm. so really what happened with that you said you were going to play but how, how did that even get to like we're like hey we might go to japan how did that even happen Man. and why did it fall through our our well, uh one of our booking agents uh it's just one of the uh the, the many the many pies she has her finger in and um they were looking for a band to come out to a, a u.s army base in japan and, and entertain them for a few days from my understanding and uh, we were just one of the bands that were up for bid or like were the options. And I guess um, another band got picked because it was cheaper. Mm. Uh, so I think that's how that fell through. 
which we're not an expensive band. Uh, I, I know that comparatively with, with some of our, our peers and constituents in the circuit. I, I know we're very affordable for what we do. Uh, and I know traveling is a whole nother expense in and of itself, but um, I'm hoping that happens again, man. Oh my gosh. I wanted to go do the show and then just spend the day wandering around in Japan, man. It'd have been so much fun. So where are some other places, like your dream places that you would love to visit if you could and do a sh- do shows there? Like your top um, five places, oh, like anywhere in the world. Top five. Uh, well, needless to say, I would love to play any any rock and roll venue on the strip just just to be able to say I did. That would be rad. Um, there's a couple of venues. Uh, I don't, God, if they're even there anymore in New York, I would love to play a show in New York. I would love to fly into New York and just go do a rock and roll show in the city. That would be cool. No venue in specific comes to mind. Uh, just, um, I want to do a house of blues. We have not played a house of blues yet. I'll take a house of blues anywhere. (laughs) I just want to play a house of blues. It just seems like it's really cool. And a hard rock show, man. There are some really cool hard rock hotel venues or hard rock cafe venues. Um, that host these big shows. I think that would be fun too. Uh, and any show on the beach is okay by me. That'd be pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. Like beach, I just want to get I just wanna, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I just want to get really sweaty after my show, take off my, my in-ears and my, my, my wireless pack, just turn around and run right into the ocean. You know what I mean? With the beer in my <laughs> yeah. hand. That's all yeah. I want, dude. Nice. Uh, there, there's uh, also something I wanted to bring up. It was, um, have you thought about doing Patreon, you and your bands? Maybe like some type of uh, live behind the scene type show or, you know, not, obviously you can't do it in uh, a lot of shows because of what's going on right now. Yeah. But maybe like a more type of, hey, we're all together. This is what we're doing right now. We're performing yeah, a like song. A, like a pay to see kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Patreon type stuff or something yeah, like that. Totally. We batted that idea around for years, man. Uh, we just haven't implemented it, which is on us. Um but I always love the idea because there, there's this ongoing battle in LA rocks where honestly with any eighties cover band, tribute band, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you have to play the popular songs. Right. And we all want to play the B, the B sides and the deep cuts and the cool stuff. But you have to keep in mind the average Joe music goer. Um, because even though our following likes and knows the music, uh, you know, if, if your show consists of look what the cat dragged in and lay it down and modern day cowboy and, you know, the, the really cool rock and stuff, but that's going to shoo away the, the, the casual night goers. Uh, so when one of us goes, dude, let's do 17 by winger. We all have to be like, is that going to go over well though? You know, is that no one, not, not enough people know it. We can't do it. Uh, but if we did a Patreon, I mean, we could do this on Facebook. We don't even need Patreon. But I always wanted to kind of take a song that everyone votes would like to play, maybe three, and then have fans vote for it or, or you know, whatever. Or, or I guess I don't know how Patreon will work in that degree. But if enough people voted for that song, that would give us an excuse to learn it. Uh, you know, and I know it differs on where you're at. Um, sometimes you gotta, you know, if you're like at an all ages show or if you're at a kind of venue where like, okay, we can't be heavier tonight. We have to be more poppy tonight. So it's going to be more Jovi, more poison, uh, where in which at this biker bar, they're going to want more Skid Row. They're going to want more Motley Crue. They're going to want all that stuff. Uh, so you, you can always call it where you're at, but dude, I, I, I love the idea of, of having a poll or something and, and letting someone pick, you know, like a, there's so many songs we want to play and we just, 
don't because we're scared that we'll whip it out and then people in the crowd would be like i'm bored i'm gonna go to the bar real quick or something like no you want to keep that crowd there all night yeah Uh, it's scary man (laughs) it's frustrating (laughs) oh so what other uh have you seen any concerts if so like uh do you get to see a lot of concerts while you're because obviously i don't know how how much you tour Mm -hmm. but are there any any bands you would like to see more of in in uh you know like perform live uh oh dude absolutely um you know back when you said that all these bands are kind of connecting and stuff uh well i came out of my shell and and started going out to see some of these bands dude and there i've been to see the pygmies tons of times uh seen the chewies um uh i'm blanking now i know there's other bands i've gone to see but i i would just yeah i i just i want everyone to have more business so that i can go out to their shows more and have fun and cut up um but um as far as concerts go i got to see jovi for the first time and the only time two years ago in dallas uh and that was, was it awesome. at the, the bomb factory i think I think so. I think so. I want to say yes. It was right in the middle of Dallas. But uh, dude, that was super cool. But I got to tell you, that was a three-hour show. He played mostly new stuff, and I was just there for the old stuff. Richie Sambora wasn't there. Uh, but my friends, uh, shout out to the Virtures. They they got me a ticket, surprised me, and drove me out there because I don't, I don't have any money. <laughs> I can't afford these things. <laughs> but, dude, it was a floor seat, and we were looking up, and I was like, wow, there's John. That's so cool. Um and uh, most of the show, I was surrounded by crazy women just screaming. So I had a headache halfway through. I did the new stuff I didn't care for. You know, I'm glad that he's still able to create new music and that he can. And I, I think he's a role model because even in his age, dude, he never stopped touring. He still packs out the house. I mean, that's something to aspire. Uh, even they've genre hop. They've kept themselves relevant. They didn't get, they didn't get um, chained down by where they came from. Uh, but... I tell you what, man, at the end of that night when they finally did Living on a Prayer and they, the, the stadium sung half the song, like the band just stopped. And I remember doing a 360 and just listening to all these people singing word for word his song back to him. And I remember thinking, I, I could imagine how that feels. And he's been doing it for decades. And I bet to this day, it's still, I bet it still just hits him right, right in the heart. You know what I mean? I mean, could you imagine just having that many people sing something you created back to you it's gotta be otherworldly and that goes for anybody with like any talent right like you know yeah. if you're an artist you know you have a lot of people buying your art and you know loving it and you know yeah. stuff like that but Absolutely. are there any are there any uh bands you would like to see live that you haven't yet like any it, like doesn't have to be 80s it could be you know any modern day bands any any bands uh, at all dude i'm so under a rock when it comes to modern bands Really? Uh, I couldn't I couldn't list any, but the cool thing is I've learned uh, I, I was never a music snob before I villainized myself. I was never a music snob. I just stay in my lane because I know what I like. But now I'm much more open to when my friends are saying, we're going to go see this band. You want to come? And be like, dude, absolutely. Let's go. Let's check it out. Oh, I got a band name. Um, <laughs> hold on. Let me look it up so that I don't say their name wrong because I saw them open for Sebastian Bach. Okay. And we got to meet them, and their band was awesome, and they put on a great show. Uh, I want to say there it's Cobra and the Lotus, hmm. but let me let me look it up just real quick, make sure I give them a proper shout out. All right. And the yeah, is that it? Yes. Yeah, Cobra and the Lotus. Okay. 
they're a great rock band though dude um that that was last year right before this covid stuff happened uh and yeah they were killer man they were killer we need more groups like that and and afterwards they came out hung out with fans talked to people took pictures talked shop and that's what i'm talking about man that's we need more of that too and they had to look dude they had the hair up they had the outfits and the drummer was like in really good shape you could tell he took care of himself and that's another thing i'm trying to get back at and better at uh but yeah cobra yeah. lotus that's a great band <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that yesterday actually on messenger yeah. about how you said you, you gained some what, what is it you gained weight or years yes sir i did <laughs> <laughs> dude i put on about 12 pounds of sitting on my butt for a year man yeah because i certainly haven't been overeating um it, it was more of a case of if anyone was buying i'll eat it i couldn't be picky you know i just i i, I like to stay alive turns out <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of grease filled meals and just hearty hamburgers and you know just a lot of delicious food but just terrible for the waistline yeah. uh so i'm trying to snap back now and um you know we we've had shows recently so i've i've, I've been able to, to to get some more substantial food my mom moved to town which has been a great save so she lives across the street she cooks every wednesday mm-hmm. uh that's helped a lot too mm-hmm. but yeah dude i gotta get back at it man the one thing i never was good with i got into free weights and and dieting so i understand the very basics of it and there's still a lot i have left to learn but uh, I never got into jogging and I need to, because as a singer, you would think the first thing I'd want to go after is lung capacity and endurance. And I just, I mean, I just cannot get myself to go and run, but I need to start doing that. And I think after COVID and kind of not having certain freedoms or, or you know, just knowing that I can't go and do whatever I want, whenever I want, mm-hmm. that has definitely like, okay, when this comes back, I need to, I need to, I need to get it. You know what I mean? I need to take advantage mm-hmm. of the freedom. <laughs> you know I, I couldn't do that i couldn't just stay at home like when the first when when we first went to lockdown i was like all right this is kind of cool you know i get to just chill i get to relax i don't have to think about yeah. anything because yeah. my mind is just like always constantly going like okay i need to do this now now i need to do this now i need to do this tomorrow i gotta do this so it was nice to just like my mind just relax you know yeah but after after about like two three weeks into it mm-hmm. and all, all the toilet paper was always gone and stuff like that Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was just staying home. I was like, how did I used to enjoy this so much when I was a kid, you know, just like right. at home watching TV. I'm like, I have to do something. So I started jogging a lot around the house and everything. Cause I, I have to stay active. I have to stay fit. Yeah. But Good um, for you, man, I got to get on that train, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Join, join me and chase. Chase is another good, uh, we work yes. out a lot, you know, in the gym and stuff. So, Oh dude, I always bother chase about that stuff. <laughs> it's like, do I, do I do this now? Am I not supposed to do this in 24 hours? Yeah. <laughs> How do I do this? Yeah. It's great. I, I did want to ask, do you have any good memory? Uh, what are your best memories that stick out to you from, uh, touring and being in a band? Like the, uh, the my immediate answer was we did a, a jazz festival show. Um, and my grandparents came out, uh, I was like 20, maybe 21. And my grand, my grandmother was in the front row. And ever since I had an iPhone, um, it had, I'm trying to get like a, I don't know if I can do it anymore. I know you, okay. You probably can't see it too well. I don't know if you can see that. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my grandma right there on the front row. 
Okay. And and some girls who started being who who were friends with her when they when she told them, that's my grandson on stage so they <laughs> clung to her. But yeah. uh, that that's immediately one of my first memories is when my grandparents came out and saw what I was a part of and the fact that they were proud of it and supported it that meant the world to me. So that's like my first answer to that question is the fact that my grandparents are behind me behaving like I do for a living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's been my cell phone background since that day happened. So what else do people not know about you outside of performing? Like, obviously, you like Captain America. If yeah, anybody, huge dork. Huge dork. <laughs> so for everybody listening right now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the other platforms, um, he does have, like, a massive collection of Captain America behind him. So Yes, yes. <laughs> There's so much more in this apartment, dude. I've got a – his cap is all over my walls, but <laughs> I, I, I can't move my laptop because uh, it's going to go kaput, but – yeah, I've got a shield over my door. I've got like toys from the 80s. I've got a calendar. I've got posters. I've got all, dude, I got a comic book collection that just runs so deep, man. It's, it's good stuff. <laughs> what made you get an M? Um, when I was a little kid, I really, really, really liked Spider-Man as most kids do. And I still love Spider-Man. Yeah. But um, one of the nerdier facts about Peter Parker is that his favorite superhero was Captain America. So even as a little kid... I didn't know anything about Cap, but in the back of my mind, I was like, wow, my hero's hero is Captain America. That's pretty cool. And the more mature I got, the more I came to appreciate Captain America and his values and like his, that the, the fact that he's a super soldier, but the fact that his superpower is his characters, his resolution, the, the, like, he knows right and wrong and he will stand up for it. And, and that is very relevant in these days. And you know what I'm talking about. Standing up for what's right, no matter the backlash, no matter what the, you know, what they say, like Cap will stand his ground, you know, no matter what. And that's a strength. It's really hard to do for a normal person. Uh, and I just, I think that's cool, man. He just, he's the, he's, he's the man of second chances, dude. He's just, he's all heart. And I just think that's really badass. You know, it's pretty interesting because you can tell a lot by people by by about people by the people they look up to themselves. You know, whether that's heroes or celebrities or whoever it is, because they say that one of the reasons why you look up to them is because there's something uh, about them that kind of resonates with you. Whether yeah. it's it's like you have that in common or it's something who you want to be. That he's a yeah. leader. I I love the idea of being a leader, and when he says something, even his enemies are like, "Well, if he said it." <laughs> I know, and he's not wrong i'll punch him but he's not wrong i love the idea of just being able to corral people and just being like a that's a good person i i believe in that guy i, I trust him i take that stuff so seriously and I, so absolutely dude i want to be that leader you know not the boss just the leader i just want to be a, the, the voice you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think that stuff's cool so also any- he knocked out hitler <laughs> <I don't> even- <laughs> that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> So are there any superheroes that you uh, dislike or think that they're too overhyped? Because like, for example, for me, that would be kind of Superman. Because I, yeah. I think like, like giving him like, like a, a almost godlike complex uh-huh. to where, because I, I think in the beginning he had no weaknesses, you know, in, in the original yeah, yeah. Uh, comics. So they kind of had to give him some because it, it was too like, you're, you're too perfect. We need like some type of flaws or something in you. Yeah. So Superman, when, when I'm like, mm, you know, is there any, anybody yeah, I, like that? I, I get that. Or? I know I've heard that a lot, man. Um, yeah. I got one buddy who thinks Superman is super boring and overpowered. And then shout out to Drew Die, who's my um, one of my best friends, drummer in Redline Drive. Do you know Drew Die? Um, you know, I, I think I have him on Facebook actually. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I bet you do. If I showed you a picture, yeah. 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 But uh, his hero is Superman, 
And he's kind of taught me to appreciate Superman for the same reasons, because Superman and Captain America's character are very similar, you know, powers and, and, and weaknesses aside. So I, I definitely get that. Um, I think Superman is a little more of a Boy Scout. Not, I don't mean that derogatorily. Derogatorily, yeah. is that a word? I, but I think Superman is a little more like, no, these are the rules. I have to adhere to it. Where in which Captain America several times has given up his mantle because he didn't believe in what his government was doing. And he had to go around and figure out, like, you know, that's not America. I can't do this. I'm going to. Um, so he's got he's a little more rebellious. But uh, no, I definitely get that, though, man. I, I definitely know that. Yeah, super, Superman is just the, the sheen diamond of like, I am flawless. <laughs> but dude, yeah. if Drew is here, <laughs> he would tear my hair out for even saying that. <laughs> Sorry, Drew. I, I still love Superman. I got you. Uh, yeah. do, do you think Do you think that there, because one thing I always disliked, and I, I know it's kind of uh, going on a little bit of a rant, but it's no, along the same it, lines, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you think that, because uh, one thing that always bothers me is, which I get, uh, when they, you know, conceal themselves behind, you know, they get their, their mask, yeah. their outfit. Do you think that would you like to see more uh, characters come out, uh, you know, without having to feel like they have to hide behind their uniform and outfit? It depends on the character, because I know some characters like Peter Parker does it to protect his personal life. He doesn't want anyone to know he's Pete, where in which Captain America, everyone knows it's Steve Rogers. His uniform is more just like a soldier's uniform. Uh, so I guess it depends on the character. Like like the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds, that was really funny because <laughs> yeah. he just had like the eye things on and his girlfriend was immediately like, Kyle, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, at that point, why even have it? That's yeah. funny stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of things you could pick apart about superhero stuff that are it's really funny. Uh, and then sometimes it just looks so cool. It's just like, yeah, keep the, the, that helmet or mask. That's, that's cool, that's, you know? And then sometimes you can like Ant-Man's got the visor. You can see Ant-Man under the little mask. You know what I mean? You can see right through that and the wasp. So yeah. I guess it depends on the character. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little too silly. <laughs> so, so what else don't people know about you if they, because uh, I was taking a look at your, your social media and um, I, I guess I would like to know more about you myself. Cause I, like I said, I haven't had the privilege of meeting you in person yet or attending one of your shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were always yeah, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Dude. Uh, so what else don't people know about you? Uh, dude, I'm a pretty open book, man. I'm a very quiet person. Um, I wear my heart on my sleeve for sure. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very open about my nerddom with Cap. Um, I, 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 you know, I love what I do. I'm, I'm definitely a working musician. Um, but other than that, man, I'm a pretty quiet person. I'm, I'm probably surprisingly boring on a personal level. Uh, I have a... A not secret passion, but it's something I do keep to myself, but I'll talk about it here. Uh, I love to draw. I've been drawing my entire life. Uh, I draw very unsurprisingly nerdy things, you know, superheroes. And, and But uh, I keep that to myself. I don't really share that a lot. Um, I'm not open about it because I like uh, I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm some super celebrity, but I, I definitely have established a presence in a following that we've we've earned. And I like to maintain a certain, I like to maintain a certain appearance with those people. And I guess it's kind of, in a way, it's not good because I don't want to make it sound like I'm scared of being judged or something. But I just like the idea of the things that I like to draw and the amount of which I draw. I just, you know, I just keep it to my, like, that's just my thing. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I like to do that for me. And that, that's a lot of the reason it was how I fell out of shape so much in the lockdown. Cause I spent most of it just sitting down and drawing, uh, and um, so 
a lot of free time to just sit and draw, man. <laughs> but I love to draw. Uh, my, my family is very artistic. Everyone in my family draws or paints or something. Uh, and I think that's how music bug got me too. Cause everyone in my family is pretty musically inclined. My sister's got an amazing voice. I just can't get her to sing. So <laughs> you, you said you're pretty quiet. So would you say you're an introvert? Uh, to a degree. Yeah. But I don't know, man, that's a hard question to answer because I, I, I do like to be the life of the party. I do like to be loud and silly. I'm a very, I'm a very goofy person. And I blame my father for that. <laughs> and I can't, man. Uh, you're, you remember the goofy movie? Did you ever yeah. watch that when you were, okay, dude, that it, my dad is goofy and I am max. And every now and then I just, <laughs> and then I'm like, sorry, I was my dad. It just came out of me. It's natural. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know, man. I I think I'm both. I think when I'm social, I'm I can be super social, and then I think when I'm home, I am I'm definitely an independent person. So I am definitely completely okay with being alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I'm with a group of people, yeah, I'm 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 definitely okay with being a, a freaking stick of dynamite. Awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about your uh, new project, Red Line Drive, because I, I didn't yeah. even know that. So how, how did that happen? And uh, what, what is your plans uh, moving forward with, I guess, if you want to talk about both of your bands? Yeah, dude, totally. Uh, so I've stuck it out with LA Rocks for 10 years because I really believe in it. Um, and, you know, every time someone says that this is it, we fit a ceiling, we break that ceiling. Um, and I really think there's so much potential in the band and the project and everyone around it and everyone who believes in it and everyone who's bleeding for it. I really think it's it's there's a lot of greatness that has yet to be done with LA rocks. Um, we're a cover band. That is a limitation. We are, I'd, I would like to bring this up on your podcast that we are working on an original. Um, we have a really cool song that's in the works and we're hoping that it, obviously it's going to fit in with the rest of the style of music we play. It's going to sound like it's right out of 1987, which is so cool for me. Uh, but we're going to try to use that not just as merch, you know, to, to music you can buy and listen to, but, if we have a couple of original songs, that'll put us into the national pool. Uh, and I think hopefully that'll get us into new venues and new territory. If we have original music on top of the rock and roll that we play. Uh, so I think that's going to be our next couple of steps as far as advancing LA rocks. But yeah, dude, I, I think there's a lot of untapped potential and I'm in it for the long haul, man. I'm, 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 I'm going to be in LA rocks until our manager just decides to pull that plug. So and I don't, I don't think he will either. I, I shout out to David Point, man. He, he, greatest, greatest band manager ever. That, that dude has been over backwards to keep this thing alive. I gotta tell you. And Redline Drive is um, a good time rock and roll band. I wouldn't. I'm not a music snob. I'm not stingy on the music that I listen to or can be showed. But when it comes to playing music, I, I'm definitely gonna be more picky. You know, because obviously you want to believe in the music you, you're playing. You know, if you, you want to sell it. Um, unless you're a working musician, which is completely fair. Cause we all have to do that. You got to play with your party bands and your, you know, your, your wedding bands, uh, nothing wrong with that at all. Not trying to villainize anybody, uh, but they're a good time rock band and they showed me some tunes they have. And I was like, wow, that slams. I, I would love to be a part of that. Um, if you ever do get to talk or interview to the, uh, those guys, I will leave it up to them to discuss their old singer because I don't know him personally. I've definitely, I've heard he's a character. And they had a falling out uh, and me and Drew were buddies and uh, Drew reached out and he was like, Hey man, if you want to, you know, you want to come audition, you know, you're more than welcome to. 
And uh, that was one of the best things that happened over COVID because I got the invitation, everything locked down, but we were still able, I could drive to Dallas. Uh, we, you know, like I said, I think I said already, we've spent some time in the studio working on, um, we've been recording the current album, which is going to come out soon. Um, I think it's going to be called Price of Admission. Uh, it's going to be on Spotify and I, I don't know what else, but there's going to be physical release. It's going to be super cool. Good stuff. Our single is going to be coming out in December. I think if everything comes in, if, if, if everything works smoothly, our single's called electric love. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely send you something when we, when we have uh, some ear candy, but uh, yeah, man, all original band. And um, we'll see if that's the next step. I, obviously I, I, my, my dream is to, to do LA rocks and red light drive at the same time. I think in the, the state, like the current state of the music world, I don't think that's impossible because unless you're just like a megastar, you know, which just doesn't happen to rock too much, unfortunately, unless you're just like an alumni from yesteryear. I don't think, I don't really see myself ever having a slippery when wet tour where we're doing 200 shows across the world in one year. So I definitely think I'll have the freedom to do both bands. That's what I want. I want to keep propping both bands up. Um, and uh, Redline Drive is a whole new world though, man. I, I've never been in a big studio like that. I've never recorded in an album like that. Uh, pressure is unreal. It's so fun to learn and, and, and do new stuff. And I just hope it grows me as a musician and, and opportunities for me and my friends and everything, you know? Yeah. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, that's probably one of the things I want to talk about real quick too, was the difference between an original band and a cover band. Because I think there's uh, I think there's pros and cons to everything. Absolutely. So I think I think one of the moves that I see a lot a lot more often now is cover bands and they'll start they'll start with the covers mm -hmm. and then they'll kind of start doing like originals and throw them in there, you know, and then grow from yeah. there. But I think yeah. one of the prob problems is kind of, um, I guess, separating yourself from that cover band, uh, you know, name on you, I guess you want to have. Yeah. So so I feel like you can become a lot uh, more noticed quicker as a cover band. Mm -hmm. but but i feel like there's a cap on there you know like kind of like a, a cover band that travels the world is kind of unheard of you know yeah but for for original band it's a lot harder to you know get your name out there because you're new nobody knows anything about you right but but the potential to to you know is way more vast do you think that's accurate or no dude i completely agree you mean the potential as far as like because we have like access to the internet and how that reaches super far out and like you can you can get exposure that way you mean um, like original, like as in the sense of like just traveling, you know, you can actually, if you make it big enough, you know, that, you know, there is no limit on, you know, an original yeah. band. So. Oh yeah, dude, for sure. Uh, the, the, the cool part about, you know, starting as covers is that, that it's already got clout. So if you play it and perform it, you build your following with that. They come to hear those songs, you kind of reinforce your following. And then once you've got a big enough group of people paying attention, you draw it because that's our plan with LA Rock right now, man. We just we just got one song we want to incorporate, just just one. We're not going to become an original band. We're still going to play the we're still going to play the classics. Yeah, but we want to just put one song in there and see how people react. And you know, it might be a trickle effect. They they might really like it. That one original might become a five song EP. Uh, not EP, yeah, EP. Um, we can sell that. Maybe that goes over well. And then who knows? Maybe LA Rock can be working on a full 1980s theme rock and roll album and and. You know, it just grows and grows and grows. But we will always still play the White Snake and the Def Leppard and the Motley Crue and the Skid Row and all that cool stuff. Okay. Um, so I agree, man. It's the, the success. The secret to any band is longevity. I really believe that. If you can just survive 
the hardest thing with a band is just survive. Keep your team together. Keep playing, no matter how much it sucks or how good it is. If you can just keep going, then I think eventually something's got to give. Uh, that's what I believe, you know? Yeah. You know, th- that's actually one of the things that I, I do like talking about a lot because I have a lot of different guests in all different fields on my podcast. And um, being in the personal development community myself, like I, I've started to notice there's a lot of uh, similar patterns to anybody in any field that wants to be successful. And usually that's, like you said, longevity. Yeah. And, and it's definitely like over, you know, over time because a lot of people, and I talked about this in my last podcast episode I did, um, you can do something for a month, two months, six months, and it, it not take off. And right. usually sometimes it takes up to years. Some, you know, it just depends. But um, consistency is another key. You know, yes. you want to be consistent. You can't just do like, you know, one show here in January and then the next show, like November is here and you do one more show. It has to be like some type of consistency there. Right. And then, then the last one is constantly learning and developing yourself. Yep. So as long yep. as there's improvement, you know, you want to see improvement, obviously, because that's another good yeah. way. And so, Dude. so this is, oh, go ahead. No, I, I completely agree with that. One of the most self-defeating things I've seen in a lot of bandmates and musicians is complacency. The second they're satisfied is when it just falls apart. You know what I mean? Or you just yeah. stop growing and then everything else that's just negative comes with that. It's, yeah, you want to be constantly learning and trying new things and, and just staying humble also. It's just the mentality is important too. Yeah, I, I like that one a lot because I definitely see a lot of performers or whoever it is and they, they start letting pride and ego get to them. And it's kind of like they become a really, uh, you know, someone who you don't kind of want to be around. You know? Yes, man. Look, let me do a little <laughs> funny story real quick, because the last show we had, uh, not the last show, it, it was before that, I think it wasn't the last show. Uh, we we had a friend come out and our friend brought other friends with him. And and one of their friends, I'm, I'm trying to be vague on purpose. Uh, <laughs> they were also a musician and they were not happy when they came to the LA rock show. And you could see that they were wearing it. Right. You, you know what I'm talking about? That, that, that musician that comes to a show and they stay in the back and they have like the resting bitch face and they have the arms crossed and they're just kind of watching you like, whatever. I'm not like, impressed. Like no. judging. <laughs> Dude. But this person is just <laughs> taller than everybody. And <laughs> they're standing right out in front of us, standing over everyone in the crowd, just being a complete, just, and I could be wrong. They might've had fun and maybe they were just really reserved, but from what I've heard, it's not the case. And they were just, just pouting at us the whole night. And we were just getting such a kick out of it because it, I thought that was really funny. But yeah, it's not cool, man. I didn't want to go talk to him afterwards, you know. But hey, dude, like, what did you think? What you know? Yeah, you just you want to avoid that person, and that's that kind of doubles back to self defeating. You're not gonna make friends like that, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So just a couple more things that uh, <laughs> I want to talk about before we start wrapping it up. Cool. Because I think I think we're going on. Uh, I think what an hour and a half already, which is cool. That's, that's about how normally I I you know do these things for. Cool. Great. Yeah. So what, what are some keys for this? This is something I actually want to talk to anybody who, because you said, you know, you have a lot of preteens and, and teenagers yeah. and all this stuff that, you know, watch your shows and they come to the pygmy shows and, you know, all these yeah. other shows as well. Um, so what are some things that you would like to say to them if they want to become a musician or they want to become more active in, you know, the, the rock community or whatever it is like, you know, mm-hmm. if they're picking up an instrument, they want to pick up an instrument, they want to learn an instrument. 
they want to join a band, you know, but maybe they're not confident or maybe, you know, like, what would you like to tell those, you know, people specifically? Don't be afraid to jump. Don't be afraid to jump. Uh, if you really, if you, if you really, really want it, then you can totally have it. You just got to be able to stay humble, keep your eyes open and your mouth closed and your ears open. Just listen, absorb as much as you can. Uh, there's always going to be naysayers. Thick skin is very important in this business. I have learned that the hard way. Be it friends, family, or just someone who doesn't like the way you look. There's always going to be mean people in this world. You cannot let them, you can't let them crack your armor. Uh, you stay true to yourself. And uh, I think it's going to happen. And you're going to have to take the, the highs with the lows. You know, we all have to do the dingy shows. We all have to do the dive shows. We all have to play. We all have to play and sing songs we don't want to, you know. Um, but that's just that's just how it goes. And I, I think if anyone really wants it, they can totally have it. That's that's what passion's all about. You know, if you don't think you're good enough, you already beat yourself. If I, I always say this to someone who wants to sing, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I am, I am by no means gifted. I don't have an it factor. I wasn't naturally talented. I had to learn by just, just listening to every, all my seniors, man, anyone, any singer in a band who had been doing it more than I had, I had questions. How do you warm up? Do you warm up? What do you do when you warm up? How do you handle this note? What happens when you're sick? what kind of foods do you eat? What kind of foods do you avoid? How much water do you drink? Do you drink? Do you smoke? Like, and, and there's, man, there's just in anything that you can absorb, just absorb it. And, and if you just got to learn yourself, I don't know, man. Uh, it's, it's just really cool. I, I, I hope that kids are listening and I hope they take that seriously. And I hope they make something out of their dreams. Cause there, there's a difference between kids who just kind of go through the fad of carrying a guitar, a guitar around. Cause it looks cool. And that kid who really feels the electricity from that, that freaking that G chord, you know what I mean? Um, if, if, if you feel that I, there's something to it and I just, just don't give up. It's so easy to give up. Don't give up. You know, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, do, you know, start my podcast is because I wanted to help uh, a lot of people in many different areas, because when I was growing up myself, I didn't have that help that I, you know, I wish that I had, you know, growing yes. up. So I kinda, I'm sorry but, to hear that, man. That's tough. Yeah, yeah. It, oh man, it's, just, it's difficult. You know, try to learn everything on your own, and you'll know, build up, and you know, you, it's like you're looking for help, but then it's like it never comes. So it's yes. like, like, yeah. So that's one thing. So uh, I wanted to do that for everybody, you know, listening. That's why I invited so many people in different fields, from fitness trainers to uh, relationship coaches, life coaches, men's coaches. Yeah. Um, especially for the younger generation, because I know if you can get them when they're kids and when they're teenagers during their most impressionable years, you can, yes. you know, if you really build them up, if you instill that confidence in them, they can, you know, when they go through adulthood, they have that much more uh, confidence and yeah. know, like they're, you Resolve. know, yeah. And so you said something about confidence in being yourself. Yeah. And so one thing that I, I uh, just like hearing sometimes is when people be like, Oh, you just have to not care about what anybody else says. And it's like, that's true. Yeah. But it also has to, you really have to build it up because it's not just that easy, like a, like a switch you could turn off. Right. Yeah. So for any, any kid who is listening or watching this right now uh, to develop confidence in yourself, just what would you say to, you know, to, what helped you develop confidence in yourself? Uh, man, I've said it a lot and I'll, I'll say it again. And, and my, you know, shout out to my dad because my dad gave me a lot of sayings that I live by to this day. You know, uh, you can't get through life by just being a nice guy. Um, you know, it's better to be thought of as a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. 
you know, like I've been saying that, you know, keep your eyes open and you, and you keep your eyes and ears open and your mouth shut. Um, there, man, there's so much more. My, my, my dad's like this, this book of just life advice that just like, okay, I get that. Um, but um, your question was, how, what was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> how, did you, how did you develop confidence in yourself? Because uh, I know one way for me is definitely like, I started filling up my mind with places of where I wanted to go, you know, like, yes. so at, at one point I was like, I'm not really happy with where I am in life. So how can I change this? And um, I did a whole episode with someone else about this. It was a really good episode, but mm-hmm. it was basically just asking really good questions about yourself. Like, yeah, instead of saying um, like, like the usual, like, oh, I don't like my life, but there's nothing I could do about it. Maybe something like, well, no, what can I do about it? What type of life do I want to have? Where do I want to go? What do I want to accomplish specifically? You know, just ask yourself some really good questions. Yeah. And then surround yourself with people who are on that same trip who want to go where you want to go to. Like if you want to be a rock star, surround yourself with other people who are in music. If you want to be a business owner, if you want to be whatever it is, find people who are on that same journey, like uh, network with them, you know, connect with a lot of people. Yeah. That's because one thing I see that is really common in, uh, you know, our generation and generation coming after us, especially in the social media age is that they kind of seem more isolated or more anxiety is definitely something I've, I've been hearing a lot about. From yeah. Attention spans kind of shrinking too, you know? Yeah. Attention span, anxiety, uh, not wanting to get out of their comfort zone. Like yeah. um, in, in order to have a good quality of life, you have to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You have to do things that maybe, you know, like that'll grow you, that'll expand you. Even if you're scared, like you said, jump jump you gotta jump dude yes to i want to say that on your podcast too while we're talking about it man i i know so many kids kids particularly and preteens who have a, this awful perception of the real world and it's because they spend all their time on the internet and it's not like that when you go outside and it's not healthy and it, it goes back to self-defeating if you think that you're going to go outside and the, the first person who sees you is going to rob you rape you and you know what i mean like it's it's there are always going to be terrible people but they are such a minority and you cannot let that hold you back and i i so yeah to what you said man um i think it's important the kids know that you know and i mean if you're gonna pick if you're you're gonna pick up an instrument or go on stage you got to be ready to get judged you know Mm -hmm. you know what i mean be it good or bad that's just (laughs) it's part of it it's part of it you know, I, I like seeing things as a science experiment, really. I'm like, yeah. I, I kind of detach myself from it. And I, and I look from the outside, like after I do something, yeah, I, I just kind of observe. I'm like, okay, I don't take anything like seriously. I don't take anything. Well, in the sense of like, if somebody says something negative, yeah. I don't take it at heart. I just yeah. kind of observe, be like, okay, this didn't work. So let me try to fix this next time. This didn't work. So let me try to fix this. And, you know, kind of keep improving. Yeah. Like, well, dude, which is, which is cool. You know, the first time I, I think I realized after you had friended me, I noticed you had put your political beliefs on social media. And I, I, every time I saw one of your posts, I was just like, hard, like, like, (laughs) hell yeah. Thank you. Someone's saying it. Like every time I'm like heart, heart, but I see in your comments, anytime someone disagrees with you, like there's, there's never a war going on unless that person's just being ugly, but yeah, Yeah. you're carrying that well. And we need more of that. So keep keep that up, dude. I wish I could do that. You know, I, I really had to cultivate that because obviously, like you, you see a lot of people in their in their politics, and then automatically they'll get attacked. You know, like from the left, from the right, it'll just be like a war going on. Yep. So, so I think I would like to. I, I cultivated um, a sense of kind of not just community, but more of like, hey, like this is what my page is about. This is what I'm about. 
I like having discussions. I like being civil. So if you want to talk about anything, I'm always open to hear it. Yeah. But just be respectful. Otherwise, if you're disrespectful, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna listen to you at all. Dude, right. Yeah, which is how it should go. You know, it shouldn't be a fight. It's just be like, all right, well, then you lose my attention as a person. And I'm completely open to talking to you when you change your mindset. But yeah, it's a poisonous mindset for sure. And you know, another thing to the kids is it can happen to adults as well, because it's, we talked about that with the lockdown and the negative effects of it. Adults, everyone is spending time on, on Facebook. And instead of the approach that you have, everyone's just getting more sensitive and more timid and this, this, and, and this terrible outlook on the, it's, you know, and it's not like that outside. It's yeah. not a, there's no race war happening. There's no civil war happening out there. Everyone, <laughs> when I go out, everyone is nice, polite, courteous, kind. I mean, it's, I do, I try to be the nicest person. Even when I go through the drive-through, I try to out nice the person at the window, you know, have a good day. I was like, no, you have a good day. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something I actually posted about too, is like, I wonder how much of uh, people think that the social media world, you know, this is how it is. And they carry it into the real world thinking, you know, that's, you know, the social media world and the real world is the, is the exact same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. You mean like, uh, yeah. As, as far as the way people might behave and like, uh, like, like visual standards of like people taking the best picture of themselves, but when they go out in public, they know that that picture doesn't really represent themselves accurately and that might affect <laughs> yeah. their self-conscious dude. I get that completely. That's another thing I'd like to throw to aspiring musicians. Uh, you're going to get to a point where you're going to have pictures taken of you and some people, aren't as good as others at sharing flattering pictures of you and they're going to put it in front of everyone on Facebook. You cannot let that affect your, the, your, the, how you see yourself. You know what I mean? Which goes yeah. back to confidence. There are so many awful pictures of me on my Facebook timeline. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I usually share them because I just like the idea that anyone wanted to take a picture at all. To me, that means they were having some enough fun at, at our show to want to capture a moment, you know? And who cares if I have a triple chin right here and I'm like drunk blinking, you know, it's like, that's oh, a picture of it. Dude, you see enough of that though. And you're just like, oh my God, is that what I look like? You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it can have a pretty heavy effect if you let it. Um, so just reiterating confidence, I guess. Gotcha, man. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, is there any last things that you would like to uh, talk about or throw in there? uh man i don't think so this was super fun um la rocks fans thank you for supporting us so far for anyone wherever you are all over the world you are always invited to our party we welcome anyone we do not discriminate um rock and roll is a good time and it's for everybody and um you know look us up it's la rocks band l-a-r-o-x-x band we're on facebook instagram red line drive band facebook and instagram we're, we're trying to stay busy we do live feeds a lot um we got new music coming out on both sides and everyone should be excited because we're trying to grow the realm of rock and roll and um to the kids man to the kids who who tag us and dude i've got a wall right here actually i could probably show you uh, i got some things up but let me let me see if i can wiggle this over i've got a wall right here and it is of little art projects that fans have made and, and, and drawings and photo collages, right? And in little like signs, like little concert promotion signs. I love to save that stuff. That means so much to me. And the fact that, you know, back to what you were saying, when kids come out and they get, the kids come out to these shows and they're already into this music because of their parents or whatever. I feel like going to a live music experience is so reinforcing. And I really hope that those kids stay inspired 
to continue to chase those dreams and just the fact that I even have something like that to put on my wall means that I, you know, our band affected people that way. And that is, I'm super grateful. So I just wanted to say thank you. And I think everyone deserves to have that experience and I hope they get it. Yes. And I would like to say also, even if your friends make fun of you, even if whatever it is, even if you have people telling you that you can't do it, yeah, don't listen to them. Just keep going. It takes a lot of mental resiliency, you know, <laughs> just to keep going because there are going to be people who are always going to laugh at you, who are always going to point and tell you you can't do something. Yep. So you have to keep going through it. You can't give up. That's why it's yep. important to have that group of friends that want to support you. So if you can find that group of friends that support you, you know, you're doing good in life. Yeah, absolutely, man. I agreed 100%. And where can people reach you at personally on social media? Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's Chris D. DeVille, all one word, K-R-I-S-S-D, no periods, no spaces, and then D-E-V-I-L-L-E, like Cruella or the car, DeVille. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't eat right. puppies, though, or whatever she does. <laughs> all right. And for all of my Spotify, iTunes, uh, you know, all the other platforms that are on that are listening to you right now, um, if you would like to see, we're going to have a YouTube video of it on. Yeah. I just created a new channel. So if you would like to see the video of this, I'll have it on there. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely post- share it around. Yes. And I'll post a Sorry. link as well. So <laughs> you're good. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, yeah, no, you're good. Um, other than that, everybody, hope you enjoyed the episode. This guy's awesome. Uh, oh, one more question. When do you think? Uh, do you have any expected possible shows coming up or is it kind of just you're waiting to see, you know, whenever, whatever happens? Yeah, man, it's hit and miss right now. We have, as it stands right now, we have one show in Beaumont, Texas at Red's Ice House with LA Rocks on December 5th. Okay. And then December 11th, Redline Drive, it'll be my first show with them if it doesn't get canceled, knock on wood. Um, yeah. We're going to be at the, uh, oh shoot, the Halton Theater in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll be Redline Drive show. So we have, I have one show with each band in December as of right now. And that's probably going to be the last show for the year. And Lord, I hope 2021 is better. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Dallas. So uh, just for, well, how come Dallas? Is that where the band is at or? Yeah, that's where Redline Drive's at. They're they're out of Dallas, and um, I guess because things are so hard right now, they're just they're they're taking what they can get. But just wanna right. you check this right. out. It's got like the little. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I, I like your profile picture too. By the way, that, that was pretty. Hey, thank you, thank you. Yeah. This was a uh, this was a birthday gift, and then it, that is it's just so cool to have that. Cool. I, I had I had to rock it, man. Um, but yeah, they're, they're out of Dallas. So I think that's why it's, it's a close local show. And we're just trying to, um, we're hoping it's going to be a party, but more so than anything, I think it's going to be more of like a, a live rehearsal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause you know, I've been in this band since February, but we haven't had a show yet. So we, we, we've still yet to get a taste of that live chemistry amongst each other. We've been in the studio, we've been hanging out, we've been drinking, but yeah. live shows the next level. That's, that's tough stuff. So I we'll see. You. I think it's going to be fun, though. I'm sure. Well, uh, and yeah. I'll, I'll be sure to check out your shows, too. And meet you in person. Dude, absolutely. Yeah, let me know when, like, you're in Louisiana or something again, dude. We'll just go hang out. Right. Maybe when the when the pygmies come, we'll go cut up or something. That sounds good, man. Um, yeah. Everybody else, uh, take care. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks, guy. Yeah.